Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. We're so glad that you are all here to uh, worship uh, with us. And uh, we are continuing a series called Snap uh, that we started last week talking about uh, decision-making, things that uh, we all do on a daily basis. We make decisions. Uh, Some are small, uh, some are big, but all of those decisions have an impact Uh, In this series, what we're focusing on is how do we actually avoid uh, hasty and costly decisions? The idea is a hasty decision is something that you you do without thinking, or you make a decision that's rooted in your emotions, your feelings, and that can lead you down to paths that actually are detrimental for you. Uh, These types of decisions that we make hasty and and costly, they not only impact us, uh, but they impact others as well. And last week, we, we talked about uh, the importance of realizing that, that God is real, and we actually need to acknowledge him, and we need to actually kind of align our decisions with him and his ways. And so this week, we're going to continue uh, doing that. But have you ever made a decision uh, that automatically you realized that it was very foolish? Anybody ever done that? All of us have like that experience. Now, how did you know it was foolish. It didn't turn out well. There's some guys here because it exploded bigger than I thought. It blew, and I'm being literal, like we blow stuff up sometimes. But, but oftentimes you, you make a decision and then as soon as you made it, you can see like the instant regret. When I was younger, uh, do you guys remember the thing like doorbell ditching? It's like, you remember that? Like great as a kid. Like, it seems like the best idea you could ever make. And so me and my friends, we were at his house, and we just said, let's go knock on every door in the neighborhood, and let's run. And that was like the whole impact of the decision. That's how much thought we put into it. And then the neighbors, we didn't even choose a different neighborhood. We did the neighborhood that my friend lived in. And uh, we didn't think much, as I've already said. And we began to knock on doors. All the neighbors began to come out. And we're running in the middle of just neighbors, like, basically, like, what are you guys doing? And we're just like, we don't know, but it sure is fun. And then word got to parents, and the fun was over. <laughs> Dumb decision. I've made plenty of them. Now, I'm obviously sharing a decision that I made many years ago, but there's decisions I've made even more recently where I think, like, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted in that way. It's easy to do that even with the people that we love. If you're parents, it's easy to do that with your kids. Uh, If you work in a workplace, it's easy to make decisions that uh, impact people in a negative way, just your reaction, your attitude. And all of those things are true. But what I want to do today is, is talk a little bit more just beyond like the emotional reaction or impact of decisions to talk about the decision-making process as, as this path that we're walking on that actually has an impact uh, for years to come. And we all have an experience of the immediacy of decisions that were foolish. We get that feedback usually right away. Uh, the impact happened, and that was foolish. But there's certain decisions that we make right now that we don't sometimes see the impact for 10 or 15 years And that's actually the the reality of decisions. All of us, we're making decisions that are like seeds planted in the ground, but the fruit won't come uh, probably for a decade. The issue with that is like sometimes you don't know the decision, whether it was a good one or not, for many years. So it's very important that we approach the kinds of seeds, the decision-making seeds uh, in the ground so that they're right fruit. The fruit that we want matches the kinds of decisions that we're making. Now, all of us, I think, wish for certain things to happen. 
But decisions don't just magically appear. Decisions come from intentionality. We're all intentional. We do things that make sense to us. But oftentimes we live in this cycle where we kind of are filled with regret, but we never take a step back and say, do I need to change my approach? Do I need to change the way I make decisions? This happens to all of us. So I hope today we'll give you kind of this this framework. And the title is Make Sure It Fits the Frame. We're going to talk about the framework for making wise decisions. And this is not a framework that you find in a self-help book. This is a framework that you actually find in the scriptures. And the scriptures are our guide. If you're a Christ follower, the scriptures are our guide to making wise decisions. You can look to culture. You can look to media. You can look to family. You can look at your past, your experiences, your goals. But unless you're looking at the source of truth from the creator, the almighty one, God himself, uh, you're, you're gonna be off track. We're always gonna be pulled off track. That's just how it is as humans. We want to go our own way and we like to make decisions on our own terms, all of us. But what God's word does is it just kind of keeps uh, just self-correcting. It kind of keeps us back on, on the right track. The frame is very helpful. It kind of gives this picture, like this horizon storyline of our life. Like we could see, okay, my life can fit within this frame. And it could be a beautiful picture if I do what God says. Now, have you ever taken a picture that was out of frame? Like where you just cut off the heads of people. Usually you're never asked to take a picture again. But check out this picture. I don't know if you can see the writing, but this is a shame. This is like, this like seems historical. The date on there is 1938. There is a story, and I want to know what it is. But none of us can know because their heads aren't there. They have no heads. Like, what did they look like? Who are they? I have no idea. The person who took the picture probably, hopefully, didn't intentionally decide to cut the heads off. But when we make decisions out of God's will, that's what life looks like. There's a picture we kind of want to have, but, oh, that's disappointing. That's not quite what I wished. Now, when we talk about the frame, uh, you may have an experience with God where it seems like, I, I want to experience life to the fullest. Actually, uh, God wants you to experience that as well. But life to the fullest is on his terms, not yours. We want all of us a good life, but the best life comes not from just pursuing it outside of God, but, but looking to him uh, for help. But when we talk about frame, sometimes it feels like it's rigid, right? Like it's, it's limiting. I don't get to do all that I want to do. And, and you may be checking out Christianity, and that may be like how it feels for you. But what we don't realize is that life is still twists and turns. It looks like this windy road. Like life still has uh, twists and turns, and we don't know what's around the bend. That's for all of us. Like when you make that right turn up in that horizon, like you have no idea what's around the curve. Any of us, like what, what's around there? I don't know but God does, and that's the difference. Life, even within God's frame, is not perfect. There's still gonna be problems, there's still gonna be issues, there's gonna be obstacles, there's gonna be twists and turns, that's how life is, it's messy. But when you decide to make your decisions according to the framework that God's designed in his scriptures, his word, you're now joining with the person who knows what's around that curve. Now, is that an advantage? Absolutely. Because if we don't know, and there's something in the road that could cause us to run, you know, run off the edge, like it costs us life. And it may not be physical life, but it can definitely be years of our life. So it's very important 
to begin to notice, okay, there's a framework for how life works, regardless of how I feel about it. Reality is reality. Whether I look to God or not, it is real. God's ways are real. And that kind of is something that you see again and again in Scripture related to God's purposes, and that's where I want to start today. God's purpose for us, for every single one of us, it prevails. What that means is, is God's plans and what he wants to happen will happen on this earth. Now, it doesn't mean that every sin and every terrible thing that happens is his will, but his purpose, his overall purpose will prevail, meaning that God is God and he is creator and he is the one who shapes reality and everything flows through his hand. That's what it means for God to be sovereign. He doesn't sleep. He's not detached. He's not disengaged. He sees every aspect of your life. And think about God that makes him so gracious and different than any other person that we relate to is that he actually has a plan and a purpose for you. And he has the power for that to happen. He has the resources because he's God. Check out these scriptures, Psalm 138, 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Notice the beginning. He will fulfill his purpose. And it's connected to his love, which goes on forever. And that's really helpful. When we think about decisions, it's very helpful to have that perspective because we have a God who loves us and we have a God who has a purpose for us. And so when we look to him and wanna be within the frame, we're not doing so with this detached, uninterested God. We're doing so with the God who loves us and has a plan. And it's specific to how he's wired you. And it's specific to this time in which he created you. So there's actually this vision that he has for your life, which is far greater than what the culture and even your family and even yourself can tell you, because he's God. Check this out in Proverbs 19.21. This is a scripture I have read so many times in my life. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But notice the contrast. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It means we have lots of ideas. Do you consider yourself an idea person? Like you're always kind of like, I think this would be a great idea. Okay, some of you are. And then the people that were quiet are the people that shoot down your ideas. <laughs> it takes two. It takes two, right? Yeah, it takes two. So you're usually an idea person, and then you're usually the person that sees the holes in the ideas. What God is saying here, he's not actually seeing the holes in your ideas. He's just saying, I see you have all of these ideas, but I have some too. And it's actually my ideas for you that will last. And it's my ideas for you that will be best. They will prevail, meaning nothing can come against God and his purpose. That's actually reassuring because it means when you have to choose, do you go with your plans and your gut and your ideas or somebody else or do you go to the one who it will come to pass? If I have a choice, that's easy. But it's in the nitty gritty of our decisions when we have those desires for what we really want that that's when it's tested. And so I wanna talk a little bit further about what to do when it's tested. How to discover a God's purpose. So we're going to get into a little bit more specific from where we started uh, last week. So how to discover uh, God's purpose. The first is this, get to know God's will revealed in Scripture. I think we have that up on the screen. How to discover God's purpose, get to know God's will revealed in Scripture. That, the reason I bring this up is 
oftentimes uh, people say maybe something to do like, well, what, what does God think or what does God want you to do? Has, has anyone ever told you that? And you had like, I have no idea. I don't know. Life can feel like that. I don't know. You're like waiting for a sign. Wouldn't that be amazing if it's like you, you had a decision to make and then you went outside and all of a sudden a plane <laughs> with smoke told you what you should do? How many of you would vote for that every time? <laughs> right? Because it seems like it takes the guesswork out of it. Then we'd know for sure. But wouldn't it be interesting, though? You'd think that that would be true, but wouldn't it kind of like we'd see that message and then we'd take it for granted and be like, I don't know. I think that was for somebody else today. Even in that, we'll find the holes. And what we talked about last week's decision-making takes faith. It means that God's not going to specifically tell you everything you should do in the Scripture specific, like by name. Like this is where the neighborhood you should buy your house in. That's amazing. It says Arboretum. You know, I don't know if you've ever looked for specific words in the Bible. Like, I wonder if that exists and like look, looking for a sign. It could happen, but oftentimes there's, there's just kind of like this general sense of how God operates and you have to get to know that in his general will. And that's what I wanna talk about today. The general will actually helps you with, again, the framework. Okay, you know that this is his general will for you, so you always wanna be inside his general will. You also want to get to know his specific will for you, but oftentimes we want the specific before we're getting in line with his general, and it doesn't work like that. God wants to see that you're cooperating with him and you want to do his will. Then he will give you clarity. We want the clarity, and then we'll let God know if we're in. It doesn't work like that. You commit, and then he shows himself. That's what faith is. Man, we don't like that because we're filled with fear. But that's why it's important. His purpose prevails and what? His love, his steadfast love, it never ceases. That's why we have to remember that. Because in the unknown, you have to trust him that he will be good to you and he will show you himself. That's the promise. Uh, Check out this passage in Deuteronomy 10. You have this in your handout and in your program you have a handout, and then you have like an extra handout today. I'm gonna to talk about that in, in, in a moment. But in the handout is a scripture. And so if, if you're kind of a note taker, and I encourage everyone, take notes. It helps you. Uh, it helps you actually remember things if you write it down. I know it's like, who uses pens these days and paper? What year is this? But there's something about writing something down, which it, it does, it helps your brain. And it allows you to kind of get beyond just the screen, uh, even this. And so I encourage you to take some notes. But on the scripture there in Deuteronomy, is helpful perspectives and and like guardrails. And what I want you to do is, is if you're taking notes, underline some things in this passage that that stand out to you. And so let me me just read it. It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Now, this is uh, speaking to Israelites, the, the chosen people. But if you're a Christ follower, these principles apply to you. This is God revealing himself to his people. If you are a Christian, you are a son and a daughter of God. You are his people. He created you for his purposes. And so he's speaking to us, and notice what he says. What does the Lord your God require of you? This is a question. But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. This is one of those scriptures where it starts with a question. What does the Lord require of you? You're like, 
You just want something like to be good, something general. And then it just lays on you principle after principle after principle. And then it just ends with, right? Isn't that what the Lord requires of you? And we're all like, sure. That's not what I had in mind. The reason I bring this up, this is God's will for everyone. This is his will. This is what he wants all people to do. So when you look at decision-making, kind of the step you want to take, the step back is, am I in line with his will? Is this what I'm doing? And notice the passage. Well, to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord isn't just to be scared of him, like you're in the, the, the corner, like your teeth are, what's that called when you're chattering? Teeth are chattering and you're shaking. Uh, it's actually God is God. He made me. He has a frame for life. Fearing him means I don't want to go outside that frame because I believe he is God and he has the best for me. Fearing is I'm going to take him seriously. I am going to do what he says. That's what it means to fear him. And it goes on to walk in all his ways. How many of his ways? All of them. Interesting. Does that impact our decisions? Yes. To love him. To, to love him. Well, how does that reflect how we live? Well, it means that we, we want to do what he says, and it means that we need to know what he says. So to love him means like there's some time that I need to spend with God. Love and time, they, they go together. And then to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So fear, walk, love, serve. Keep the commandments. The idea of keeping is like, this is something that you're looking at closely. You don't let it far off your sight. You keep his word in the forefront of your decisions. So it's like, as I'm moving forward, I can't make a decision outside of his word because his word is right here. It's very easy in life. We kind of just let go of his word and we make decisions and it's not the filter. But God's word becomes the filter and that's how we keep his commandments. Now, if you were just to make a decision and walk through each one of these checklists, would that impact what you do? I know for me it would. Would that mean I say no to certain things? Absolutely. Would that mean I say yes to certain things? Absolutely. This is why the volunteer appreciation is so important. Because what does this say? To serve the Lord your God. People who serve are not only doing the will of God, but they should be honored because they're fulfilling God's purpose and they're laying down their life for others. We take this very seriously and we take it literally. All of this is literal. But that is God's will. So even in that passage, and so this is what I do, if you're new to reading the scriptures, you, in these two verses, you just begin and you read it and you emphasize certain words. And you ask yourself, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for how I should think? What does that mean for what I should say? What does that mean for, for what I should do? And you just begin with those three things. Think, speak, do. And then you look at each one of those words and kind of unpack them. That's how you read the scriptures for yourself. But that impacts us. That, that changes our approach to things. That's how you get to know his will. Now, I want to shift gears. I want to give you something that I learned many years ago in my life and has been very helpful to me. And uh, there's an extra handout. So everybody, open up your, your program. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, we can get you one. Raise your hand. 
And uh, in the program, there should be an extra handout uh, after the handout I have. Uh, Somebody hold that up. It has this image on it. There's building blocks. I just wanna walk through this because I think this can be very helpful uh, to give you practical uh, guidelines as you make decisions. So you can look on your paper. I'm gonna give you kind of a next step for which you can do some homework with that paper this next week. So kind of keep note of that. I want you to use that. But, but here's some building blocks of God's guidance. And I'm gonna walk through this and then kind of apply this to what does this mean for God's will for us? So uh, you, you have a, a block, obviously, that are stacked on each other. And uh, the top is prayer and prompting. Like as we make a decision and we wanna know what God thinks, we certainly need to pray, pray and ask him, God, what do you think about this decision? Now, as I'm talking, this doesn't mean like every like little thing. Okay, so do I go to Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out? <laughs> Which one would you go to? In-N-Out? Okay, I got two. No, you're not. It's Sunday. <laughs> that was a total pastor dad joke right there. Right? We don't, it, this isn't like the little things. It's not the little things. You know, God, God gives you freedom. Like, choose where you want to go. If you don't have the money for a certain place, then that may not be a wise decision. So maybe it's like neither. I need to stay home and make a sandwich. May that not be God's will for us, right? That's like what we think. But prayer and prompting. Now, the prompting is, is like I, I, I'm praying, but there's something going on in my gut. This is where we say things like, I feel like God is telling me something. You ever said that? I feel like God is leading me somewhere. That's prompting. It's like a feeling in your gut. Okay, that's prayer and prompting. That's how you listen to God's voice. The middle, this is how you look for God's specific will. I'm gonna unpack this next week. So join us next week, God's specific will. But I wanna focus a little bit here, God's general will. So wise counsel, clear thinking. Have I talked to somebody about this decision that I'm making? Somebody wise, have I asked for their advice? Is it right? Is it wrong? Have I asked questions? Have I listened to their input openly? Is my heart neutral or have I already decided? If you've already decided a decision, wise counsel, what are they gonna tell you? Go for it. You've already decided. And then clear thinking, have you thought about everything, the ramifications? So we're gonna talk about that a little bit more next week. But that's specific will. God's general will, there's three things that need to happen. This is where you are within the frame. In this decision, is this a decision in faith? What's the opposite of faith? Fear. Do you think we make decisions in fear? Okay, so that's helpful. If you're ever making a decision in fear, is that God's will for you? No. Because his general will for you is always for decisions to be made in what? Faith. You trust God. He will help you and come through for you. So if you're making a decision in fear, you already know, I don't make that decision. It's not his will. His God's general will always falls within the framework of faith, personal integrity, and obedience. Obedience is, am I doing what God says I should be doing with this decision? If you're not, or you don't know, you really wanna make sure before you make the decision. Because if this is a decision made in disobedience, you are out of his will. His purpose will prevail, but there'll be many knocks, bumps, and detours that will help you get back in line. I need to do what God says. 
And then in integrity, that is the way that I'm treating people and the way that I'm representing God in his name. This is, again, the, the building blocks of good decisions for people who follow Christ. That matches. Like the identity I have and who I am represents Jesus well. Does that offer protection? Absolutely. Because if you are going with these three things in mind, that is always God's general will for you. General means maybe it's general and it doesn't apply. No, it just means this is the case all of the time. It's always his will for you to choose faith. It's always his will for you to choose integrity. It's always his will for you to choose obedience. Now, uh, go to the, the next slide. Okay, that's what I just talked about. Go to the slide after that. That's next week. Go to the slide after that. Okay, that's the whole picture. And then one more. Okay, when you go with your gut and you're just doing something based on a feeling and you don't have wise counsel and you don't have clear thinking and you don't have faith and you don't have integrity and you don't have obedience, you have one part of a block, but what is it doing? It's floating in the air. It lacks foundation meaning you can stand on that decision, you could walk on that path, but you're kind of rolling the dice. Is it good? Is it not? Well, if you go with your gut, you will know in 10 years. Is this making sense? The reason I bring this up is most of us have grown up to think we kind of make decisions, and I'm talking about in the church, Christ followers, you just pray and you have a feeling and you make a decision. This is how it works. For most people. Well, how did you know? I just, it, I just felt that's what God said. Listen, if you come to somebody with a prayer and prompting, and if somebody comes to me, I'll just give you, this happens a lot. If somebody comes to me and says, God is telling me to do this, what am I supposed to say? I don't agree with God on this one. You, right? This is kind of the ultimate trump card. You could do whatever you want if you say God told you to do that. The question is, has somebody wise heard it? What's your thinking on it? Is this in faith? Do you have integrity? And are you obeying him? There's many blocks missing. How many of you kind of feel like convicted, like, oh, I do this all the time? You guys don't even want to raise your hand. We do do it all the time. This isn't to make you feel bad. It's just to make us realize that oftentimes it seems so vague what God wants for us. It's so perplexing. It's so confusing. Actually, dig into his scriptures, and there is a frame. And it's always going to be with faith, obedience, and integrity. And God has put counselors in your life, if they're wise, to help you. But they will only help you if you ask. So this is a test for us. Go back to the slide where all of them are on there. So right here, this is enough for us to spend weeks filtering decisions. And the next step this week will be to kind of work through that yourself. So let's, let's kind of get in a little further with filling out the frame even more specifically. So I've talked about the frame. 
We've talked a little bit about the building blocks. Now I want to give you kind of, a frame has how many sides? Four. Now everyone is really scared. When you, we have you to share your decisions, your face, that's next week. We're just going to do, rotate. I'm going to pull your name out of a hat. You're going to come share your... Loosen up, everyone, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I want to talk about four things that kind of uh, characterize the frame of a decision. So picture a frame and each side of the frame. This is God's will for you. We've talked about the blocks. These are the building blocks of a wise decision, but, but what's God's will for you? And there's four things that are always his will for you beyond just the building blocks. And this is the theme that you find again and again and again in uh, scripture. Now, I heard this again many years ago as, as like, what's the, the purpose of my life? And I was in college and I heard this and it, it actually did provide uh, a framework for me. I was searching for answers, probably like many of you have in your younger years, and some of you are right now. We're always searching for answers. We're searching for purpose. Especially if you're looking outside of God, you keep doing things and it's empty. You know, you, you, you keep trying to find refreshment and the sponge is completely dry. That's how life works. Because true refreshment's only found in the person of Jesus, according to his will and his purpose. So all of us, we're trying to find that purpose, but I heard these four things in college and it really did change the trajectory of my life. These are also God's general will for you. So I wanna dig in. The first is this, it's called the great mandate. Uh, these were put together uh, from one of my mentors, Harold Bullock, who wrote the Heart Attitude book that actually put together the heart attitudes that we've spent some time as a church talking about. These are our key relational values. Harold uh, put these together as kind of like the direction, like the compass uh, for your life. And the first is the great mandate. I want to read it in Genesis 1. And it says, uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is a mandate that is only given to humans. Animals, and I, you know, I like animals. There's some of you here that I think like animals more than I do. I, I like animals. I used to have a fish. His name was Flaky. He died. Okay, that, that's like kind of my experience with animals. Now I'm like alienating the room totally now. It's like, people are like, you know what, I'm done. But, but animals, as, as great as they are, they don't have the same value as humans. We live in a time where, like, I don't know, I'm eating with a lot of animals these days, right? Aren't they in, like, every restaurant? Anyways, I'm, gonna, I'm digressing. But, but animals aren't given, and nature is not given, uh, the identity that humans are. We're made in his image, that's what the scriptures say. Now, in this passage, there's all sorts of controversy all sorts of identity issues. Well, he, he made man and he made woman. There's two sexes. And he made man and he made woman to marry, to marry each other. And he made them to marry each other, part to commit in this loving relationship and then to what? To have kids, to be fruitful, to multiply. So think about that, this, this God who loves us 
gave us this mandate. You want to fulfill purpose? I love you so much. I want more of you. That's beautiful. The creator God, I want more of you. And I want that to come from a man and a woman in a marriage relationship that will have kids. And if a man and a woman in a marriage relationship love each other and are committed to each other and they have kids, life will go well for those kids. Not perfect, but life will go well. But the mandate goes beyond that. It's more than just the family unit. What's the family unit been given? They've been given responsibility to take care of the earth. And that includes taking care of animals. That also includes chores, taking care of responsibilities. The great mandate is that everything that you do, as you're working your energy and your purpose to taking care of what God's given you, you're being faithful. Even in the mundane, there's meaning in the mundane. Why? Because of the great mandate that God's given. Uh, here's a tree in my, oh, here, uh, let me read that. This is helpful. The great mandate, multiply and develop families, societies, cultures, technology, and bring the earth under control. Like when you go to a, a, an area that's like landscaped nicely, there's a certain part of us that like, that should give us a little delight. That's the great mandate. Somebody has brought that into order. If you have a yard, you know that's not easy. That's part of the fall. Adam was gonna work and there would always be thorns. It's part of the fall. It's crazy. It's all built in. The great mandate, it's gonna be frustrating, but, but it's still good. This is a tree in my, my front yard. I love this tree. It provides shade. I love looking at this tree. And I was just thinking the other day, like, I love this tree. Like, I really do. But then look what this tree does on the ground. I hate this tree. This is just last week. But here's what it is. I love the tree because it provides shade. And it actually, it's pretty. I like a tree in my front yard. But the great mandate is, you love the tree, take care of the tree. And then here's another picture. I literally like had my boys and us do this. Like, I got to get a picture of me actually doing this. And so we have to like, you know, we have to rake the leaves. And there's leaves again. It just wilts in the summer. It like misses the, I thought it's supposed to be fall. Anyways, you guys are just welcome to what's going on inside my head. But this is the great mandate, raking leaves. That's part of God's purpose for you. It's actually part of his will. Laundry, not so much. <laughs> Dishes, diapers, Bathrooms, ironing, doing those are actually God's will for you. Part of the great mandate. There's a lot of meaning, even in the mundane of life. The reason I say that is if you're neglecting your responsibilities and not doing it, you're out of his will. You want to know his will, be faithful with what he's given you, and you'll be in his will. That's number one. Just looking at my time here. Number two, the great commandment. This is another part of the frame, another side. Matthew 22, and he said to, them, to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. 
and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is Jesus speaking. He was actually being set up. And he's being asked, like, let's get Jesus to name, like, what the most important thing is so we can find a hole in his answer. Say, well, what about that? What about this? You claim to be the son of God, but you don't even know what's the most important. And so Jesus, knowing that they were setting him up, he gave a two-for-one answer. He says, well, actually, God's will is for you to love him with every part of your life. And then it's to love people. You want to know God's will for you? It's to love God. And part of loving God is to do what he says. It's obedience. That's that bottom block of the, the stack there. And then his other will is, is for you to, to love people. So I just was thinking this in my life. Like, if I mistreat somebody, am I in God's will? No, because I'm not loving them. That's kind of easy to check. Uh, if I'm bitter, if I'm bitter at God, if I'm bitter at other people, am I within God's will? No. Doesn't mean I don't struggle, but it means that I have to really pay attention to the patterns and the sin of my life. I have to have a short account. If something comes up, I need to confess it. God, I'm bitter, I'm angry, will you forgive me? That's not your will for me. And you release it. Do you know how many people want to discover God's will and they want to make good decisions, but they are so weighed down with bitterness? The great commandment frees you up to love God and to love people. Doesn't mean you, you, have, you, you don't work through things, but it means that you have to recognize some of the roots that take kind of in our heart that can cause problems. Uh, if I'm isolated and if I'm alone, I'm out of God's will. Again, these, this is helpful. Helps us with, as we make decisions. So that's great mandate, great commandment. The third part of the frame, the great commission. Uh, the great commission, uh, this is how you are supposed to invest your life. The American dream does not show up in Scripture. Did you know that? Now, there's part of the American dream, which is part of the mandate. Like, we're supposed to take care of our responsibility. And if you take care of your responsibility, you know, you actually get success. And if you get success, you can get more money. But that should never be about us. It should actually be about how can I use this to invest in the kingdom of God? That's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, we've read this a few times, but go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is one of several commissions that Jesus gave. Like, this is the purpose for you. So if you're not a part of helping people come to Christ and grow in him, you're not in the will of God. I don't know about you, but doesn't this kind of feel like, well, that's just a certain type of person. Kind of like people like me. But actually, it's will, his will for everyone who follows him. It's not to some elite force, it's to everybody. Be part of building his church, helping people discover a new purpose. This actually gives you a wider view of life. There's more going on. There's more at stake than we can even realize. Eternity is at stake. Notice this picture here. Remember those iPhone 6s? Look at the GoPro. You look at this, you look at this view, 
And you know, it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. She didn't fit the frame. We've already talked about that. But then when you use a totally different camera, there's a whole, oh, this guy didn't even either, but that's kind of sad. But, but there's way more people going on that. That's what the Great Commission is. It's so easy. We get focused on our life, especially with our decision. What do we need to do? How do we need to do it? How is this going to work out for our good? Sometimes you need to take a step back and say, what is God's will for me? How does he want to use me to be a part of something bigger than myself, wider than I can even see? And the Great Commission includes more people than you could ever imagine. We tend to think very narrow. God thinks very big. We tend to think singular generation. God thinks multiple generations. He's doing something that he wants to include you in, in the purpose that he has, a front row seat, if we're willing to be a part of it. And that's part of our mission here at Ridgeview, inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. In two weeks, we're gonna talk about what it means to be this type of person that invests and invites others. How we get to be a part of that, every single one of us, as we decide to allow God to lead us forward in his mission. And then the final part of the frame, so we've done the great mandate, we've done the great commandment, we've done the great commission, and the final is the great purpose. This is the fourth piece of the frame. And that is the glory of God. The purpose for us is the glory of God. First Corinthians 10, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What that means is I'm, every decision I make, everything that I do, I need to ask, does this make God look appealing to others? Am I representing his name? And Paul, the writer of this, is talking about the very minuscule, meaningless things that we do, just eating and drinking we don't think about. But what he's saying is, is like in everything you do, not just the big, but even the small, am I factoring God in? Am I recognizing him? And the way you do that is like there's thankfulness to the glory of God. Thank you, God, for what you've given. Thank you, God, for how you provided from the very small to the very big. I'm full because of your hand and your faithfulness. That's the great purpose for all of us. So in closing, I already told you about the uh, extra handout. So that extra handout in there has the building blocks. That's a reminder for you as you make decisions. And then this next week, here's the next step that you can take. Take that handout and just work through with the other handout uh, the guidelines. And I have some questions. Um, what guideline do you need to focus on right now? Is it the mandate, being faithful in the responsibilities? The commandment, I need to work on my relationship with others, the great commission, the great, like spend some time reading those scriptures and just ask God to show you what guideline do you need to focus on? I don't know what that is for you, but spend some time, ask God, read the scriptures. And then what decision do you need guidance with? This is getting into like, what about you in your life? What decision do you need guidance with? So I encourage you this week, work on that handout. Just spend some time whenever you can find it on your lunch break in the morning at night. Spend some time working through that. If you have the other handout, you can read the scriptures as well. I encourage you to do that. That can really be a help to you. And the last is, attend the volunteer appreciation tonight. If you don't serve, we want you to come because we wanna celebrate with everybody. And speaking of God's will, it is always God's will to honor those who serve. So if you come tonight and you celebrate our volunteers, you're actually within God's will. That's right. Now, we talk a lot about serving, and some of you may not serve, and you may not be a part of the team that God's put together. 
The idea of serving isn't to create this like special force which is closed. Uh, we want everyone who comes to Ridgeview to serve. Why? Because serving actually helps you grow. And serving is what enables us to reach more and more people because our reach is further. Because there's more people that are like in the boat paddling with us as we're going down the rapids. And so if you're not serving at Ridgeview, uh, Sammy Rangel's in the back. She's just kind of raise your hand there. Yes, yeah, Sam, that's Sammy. Um, Talk to her after the service. We'd love for you to be a part of the team. You, like, you, you may not have any experience in anything. At Ridgeview Church, we will find a place for you. So come. And then last but not least, I'm going to invite the band up. I want to let you guys all know about this flyer that's in the program. And you could pull that out and look, look at this. There's two. Why are there two, you ask? Hand out. One for you if you need a reminder or... Two, to hand out, however way you want it. One, pass out one or pass out both. In two weeks, on August 8th, we're going to have our grand opening. The reason we have a grand opening is uh, it's given us some time, like two months, to get into the groove of meeting here. Uh, We also wanted time to be able to figure out everything and then give us time to also invite people. So this is where we now shift to inviting I wanna encourage you, the best way for our church to reach more people is always, always, always personal invitation. That's the best way. Because you trust what people say to you if you know them. But if you get something from someone you have no idea who they are, you're not as maybe trusting. So the best invitation is you. So I wanna encourage you, We want to get the word out that we're here. We want to get the word out that we're a church, that we want to help people experience that refreshing life found in Christ. So part of the Great Commission is we need to tell people. We need to include people. In fact, we need to plan on it. And so on August 8th, we're going to be launching a new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Do you think there's people out there that have some thoughts that they're struggling with? Yeah, we want to help them with that. So as a church, we're going to be spending four weeks talking about how do you deal with your, your thoughts. And then as an added bonus, the Sweet Dough Cafe, which is this beautiful company that makes beautiful cinnamon rolls, <laughs> they're going to be here as well. And so if you don't know what to say, you say, do you like cinnamon rolls? And you just hand them. <laughs> I don't recommend that, but if you just get dorked up and you don't, do you like cinnamon rolls? And you just hand them and you, you walk away, okay? But I encourage you, invite people. Uh, this is also, we have a, a new link. I don't have it here, but you can remember this. Slash grand opening. Ridgevychurch.com slash grand opening. You can share that. We'll be sharing things on social media. If you share on Facebook, if you share on Instagram, what it does is it multiplies all the people that we reach. Each person that shares, it like multiplies it to a whole new group of people. And so if you can help us on social media by share, if you can help us by extending those personal invitations, we're in our new chapter as a church. And on August 8th, It's like we're inviting the community to join us. And so I just encourage you to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church and and what you're doing. Thank you for the group of people that you brought. You are so faithful. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which guides us. It corrects us. It challenges us. It sometimes tells us things that we don't want to hear. But at the same time, it is the truth. It is real and it leads us forward. 
God, I pray for anyone here struggling with a decision, struggling with regret of past decisions that they've made that they just feel buried by. Lord, will your grace fill them in the name of Jesus today? And God, for those who need help, will you give them the courage to ask for it? We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus.